Welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, brought to you by TargetInternet.com. Hello and welcome back to the Digital Marketing Podcast. My name is Kieran Rogers and this week I have a recording I've been sat on for quite some time. This was actually recorded back in February of this year. So why the long wait, Kieran? Well, we did the interview over Skype and I'm sorry to say my it was my internet connection just kept dropping out left, right and centre. I think we, gosh, we, we had about eight different breaks within the conversation, which led to lots of little different audio segments that needed to stitch together. And uh, my guest, uh, a gentleman called Ollie Gardner, was the most patient man in the world and struggled through. And I'm so glad that he did, because actually, when I listened back to the uh, discussion, I think some really, really great content. So Ollie is from a company called Unbounce, and they produce some really great conversion rate optimization software, a really good landing page builder, and you can A-B test and do all sorts of really, really clever things with it. And Ollie had written a blog post ooh, in the new year all about how effective content marketing is and actually converting. And he, he did this amazing experiment, which we got the chance to discuss with him. So some really interesting outcomes. And I hope you really, really enjoyed it as much as as I've enjoyed lovingly <laughs> stitching it back together for you all. So without any further ado, let's get into the interview with Ollie Gardner from Unbounce and uh, explore what he's learned about content marketing through this amazing experiment that he ran. The the more eagle-eared uh, among you may recognise Ollie because actually Ollie, we did an interview. I had a look; it was five years ago now. It was um, it was October two thousand and twelve, um, which seems it doesn't seem like that long ago. But we, if you haven't listened to it already, it's actually it's one of my favourite episodes. Uh, Ollie had written a post about Mister Men landing pages, and if you if you love the Mister Men which those lovely little cartoon characters that we all know and love from our childhood. Definitely, definitely check check it out. It's still, I was listening back to it, it's still great content. Uh, so, uh, yeah, it stood the test of time, that one, definitely. It's, it was a lot of fun. It's a, a different way of thinking. I, I like to find different ways of communicating things, and that was, yeah, that was a, that was a lot of fun. <laughs> so what is Unbounce? How does it work and what does it do? Let's just start there. Yeah, well, for when we started, we were a landing page platform mm -hmm. for digital marketers. And now we've evolved recently in the last year to be more of a conversion platform in general. We added two more tools, pop-ups and sticky bars, mm -hmm. which, uh, you know, pop-ups being the world's hardest product to market yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because of the general historical disdain for them. But, you know, if we get into that later, I, I have some good thoughts about that in general. Yeah, you know, we're primarily a platform for marketers that do paid advertising. So they have somewhere to, you know, landing pages for their campaigns. And yep. then now on your website with, you know, the pop-ups and sticky bars to help you do more with your traffic there as well. Fantastic. And so where do people often go wrong with their landing pages? <laughs> it's funny. I was writing a bio for, no, a talk description last night. <laughs> and... It's, it's I don't know, I've seen more landing pages than anyone on the planet. I bet. And I've and I've complained about more landing pages than anyone on the planet. <laughs> uh, so you know where they go wrong? A lot of ways. Uh, it depends what market you're in. I mean, SaaS suffers a service marketing, and that 
kind of realm typically is a bit ahead of the curve and they do a really good job. Mm -hmm. You know, they, they send their campaign traffic to a landing page and they're pretty good. A lot of the rest of the world doesn't do it right. They'll send an, a paid ad to their homepage, yeah. which is nothing to do with the ad. And yeah. one of the other big ones is, is, is clarity. A lot of people aren't very good at describing yeah. what they do in a good manner, uh, which really hurts the impact of your marketing when you're, you know, driving an impatient person to, uh, to a landing page. So there's some of the, the kind of the, the beginnings of it where people kind of go wrong. I know particularly within paid kind of PPC campaigns for AdWords or, or Bing, mm -hmm. um, you know, it's really important to have a really customized landing page almost for each ad group, I would say, because you get you get a real synergy between the keywords you're triggering the ad on, the actual uh, advert itself, and then the, the page that you take people through to. And customers love that. And actually, the search engines really, really love it as well. And it can, can hugely reduce the cost of your, your campaigns and drive up the click-through rate and, and affect all sorts of things positively. But so many people just yeah. point, you know, uh, 15, 20 different ad groups all to the same page, and it couldn't possibly be relevant for, for that many ad groups, really. Yeah, that's, that's the concept of message match. And if it's not tight, if, it's, if the... If the scent, the information scent, does not travel through from the search query to the ad to the landing page, then you, you're going to lose because someone's doing it right. One of your competitors will be doing it right. And, you know, it, it really is a bit of a battlefield out there. And uh, there are ways, you know, so you're right. You should ideally you'd have one for every ad. But that doesn't scale. So one ad group is good, but then use features like uh, dynamic text replacement, which is something we have. So you can feed the keywords through to the page to make it totally, like really tight. That's a really good way of easily getting it right and scaling with it. So I want you to share with us what you, you started this marathon experiment uh, and you, you, you launched into this. Was it at the beginning of the year? Yes, yeah. started January 2nd. Okay, so explain to us all what it was you set out to do. Yeah, so like I said, we used to be a landing page platform. Last year, we, re we launched the two new products, Pop-Ups and Sticky Bars, and the adoption was really bad. You know, it was around 6% when I first got frustrated with this, and it's around 12% now. We're making strides to improve that. But at the time, I was hanging out with three of the, my co-founders, and I was just complaining and like, oh, this is terrible. What a failure. Da, da, da. And Carter, chief product officer, he's like, hang on, hang on, hang on. Stop complaining. What are you going to do about it? <laughs> <laughs> so I said, and then he got his phone out to record it on the, po the first post. <laughs> of the, there's a video. Uh, I'm a little inebriated. <laughs> so I said, well, I'm going to write 30 posts in 30 days about product marketing. I'm going to change this number and it's going to be a massive success and da, da, da. So that was the genesis of the idea. Mm -hmm. And then, so then I launched into it. Uh, it took me 20 minutes to come up with 30 post ideas. Yeah. Um, really, really good ones. And so then I started on the second. I, I actually, halfway through, I had to change. I ended up doing 20 posts in 30 days because I was working weekends to 16-hour days every day to get these things out. And I would be divorced if I continued. And we only just got married in August, so yeah. that wouldn't be good. All right. Okay. Uh, 
<laughs> and and also when you post on weekends it's not going to get the engagement you want so no, no. i i dropped the ego part of it where i thought uh, the numerical you know goal of 30 yeah, yeah. and 30 because that was just a romantic kind of numerical vision but yeah and also these these are not little posts i wrote thirty-seven thousand words in total wow so it was well, which is half the length of a new york times yeah, bestseller that's, that's half a book <laughs> definitely yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, oh, and the, well, one of the annoying things was, uh, so I started on the second. On the first of January, I got really bad flu, which lasted ten days. <laughs> it was Nightmare. Just, it was <laughs> rough, but, but amazing. I yeah. learned. I hadn't written for two years because I've been speaking so much, Wrong. and I couldn't anymore. I didn't know how to write. I, I told writer's block. I was afraid of writing because I didn't want to cannibalize my talks and give away what I would be speaking about. Right. And yeah. uh, this just got me right back into it. I learned so much. I got really excited about it again. And yeah, it's it's the absurdity of the challenge that made it work. If I'd said I'm going to write three blog posts in January, I would have written none. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't have benefited me in my my the the self inflicted challenge. That's what I needed. <laughs> so <laughs> cast your mind back. You know, just just before you launched into this epic marathon of writing content, all of it designed to move the needle a huge leap and, and bound, as we all want to do with our content marketing. What was it you were expecting to see when you planned out all those articles? Well, I thought, because I'd never done product marketing before, and I thought, okay, this year, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to focus on learning how to be a product marketer. Mm-hmm. You know, how, how hard could that be? It's it's just it's just talking about your product, right? Well, no, it's not. It's a multidisciplinary <laughs> thing like research, competitive analysis, awareness, but then also onboarding and making people you know use your product. So I was naive in that I thought just doing this content could do all of those things. Really, all I was doing was product awareness, not product marketing. But I was just doing that part because I wasn't doing anything with the customers after they signed up. So I then pivoted back to that idea because it, it just made more sense and but what did i expect well i, I expected everyone tons of people to just jump in the product and start using it <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so what were the surprises for you as a marketer when your results sort of dribbled in <laughs> well because we redesigned the blog just for this product marketing, just for this month's content. Right. Just to give it a more of a product focus. Yeah. Take away the standard navigation, the, yeah. you know, features and da da yeah. pricing. This is content. You weren't trying to stack things in your favor at all, were you? <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, and on the awareness thing, so the nav was like, now it was just logo, value prop, and then try our products with three of them listed. So it, by virtue of that alone, I thought it would have a big impact because instead of it just saying landing pages, it would say all three products. People will read your content, but when they come, they're looking to solve a problem of what they need to answer right then. They're not necessarily looking for a solution from a software perspective. They may at some point, but they may not actually be the functional buyer of the product. So the attribution is very difficult. They may end up using it. Mm-hmm. They may be the person that buys it. So it could be more successful than you think or... But anyway, so I dug into the conversion rate of this content, and it was 0.3%. And I was like, what? How can that be? That's so low. Uh, but then I thought, okay, well, is it just me? Is yeah. it just us? Yeah. Uh, so I reached out other content marketers who I really respect. And so my number one go-to there is Andy Cressadina from Orbit Media. He's an amazing marketer. 
And to ask him, and he's super transparent, he shared the numbers with me. He said uh, theirs was 0.03%. Wow. And he said, we don't get any leads. There are in Chicago, they're a web design development agency. He says, we don't get any leads from the content, but the content, because people share it, they link to it, that builds the domain authority of their website. So when people are searching for web design development Chicago, the domain authority is there that they do find them. It's just playing a supportive role in a different manner. And that was the big kind of light bulb for me because uh, I'd made some assumptions that just were incorrect. So it's not a waste of time and money, but you have to look at it from a different mindset and accept its role. Uh, I'm not quite willing to give up on it. I'm going to keep, I'm doing it. We're going to start another experiment this month. I'm going to keep trying to you know, make a bigger impact. Uh, but yeah, you just, you just have to think about it a little bit differently. The, the stats that you were getting, was there every sign that you know people were engaging with the content or were they sort of bouncing before they had time to to read it uh it was pretty good it the, especially the first and the last because the first one teed up this really interesting idea and the last one was seven thousand words and all these learnings it's it was an amazing post to write and it's been received really really well but I, in part because of the transparency and just because of so many great learnings from the signups to traffic to the in interactions with the different calls to action that positioned in the new redesign, the product awareness numbers, uh, and other things like, you know, when you, if you're in a SaaS company and some people, I did a poll because I discovered, well, I've known for a while, but 35% of the people that come to unbounce.com are only there to log in. They're there to look to the top right and click login. Right. Nothing more, nothing less. And yeah, if you yeah. don't know this, yeah. Your analytics is broken because you, the number is going to be skewed in, in a negative manner. So I also reached out, and a lot of people were around the 20 to 35% realm as well. Yeah. But I did a survey. I said, what is it? And one of the options was, I don't know. 50% of people didn't know. That's a lot of people. They didn't know why they were there. They didn't know their number. They hadn't even considered it. Oh, I see. It. Oh, right. Okay. That is interesting, isn't it? So, I mean, effectively, if lots of people are coming to your site just to log in and you're looking at overall site visitors uh, and working yeah. out a, a percentage of, of people that do do what you want them to do, that, that waters the numbers down quite dramatically, right? Dramatically. And also, so it might affect things like time on site, bounce rate, yada, yada. But it will also, if you're looking, if you ever look at new returning visitors, your returning visitor number is completely false because mm -hmm. a lot of them are, they're not returning because they want a second stab at your content or because they're going to look at your pricing page for the third time. <laughs> they're returning <laughs> to log in. So you have to segment those people out in your analytics. What were the key lessons for you on product marketing? Um, that, you know, that I was just doing awareness and that I didn't know, that I was, you know, naive in my interpretation of what it actually is. And, you know, you'll, if you read the final post, then you'll see, I, I started with some kind of, couple of apologies, really, because some of what I'd written in the first post had upset some people in the company. I, <laughs> upset, I, I felt for you when I read that, because it's normally, that's that's my style. I, I do have a habit of treading, treading on every landmine in my enthusiasm <laughs> for a new for a new project. And it's so easy to upset people with, with the, without the slightest inclination that, you, that you've done it, actually. Yeah, I did. yeah and because what I said was, and this was the last minute, because it was just before I hit publish on the first one. <laughs> 
<laughs> you know, it's, it's, it's 1 a.m. Yeah. And I've had a bottle of wine. Yeah, yeah. And I'm like, how can I make this more, you know, uh, I don't want to say buzzworthy, but it's the only thing I can think of. But something, something provocative. Yeah, provocative. Provocative, I think, yeah. is what I want. So yeah. the second line of the post was, does our uh, product marketing suck? <laughs> so who in, no, the, was, com- was, who in the company did that <laughs> upset? <laughs> uh, right, a lot of people in product. And, right. Well, because... And I was positing a question. Yeah. I wasn't saying it was true, even though I did think we weren't doing a good job. So I, I then took that out because it, it, it did exactly what I wanted. Our social team picked up on it and they started tweeting with that leading question, yeah. uh, which was really, really good for you know, a, a social post to get people's attention. <laughs> but it also just draws way too much attention to my insult. Yeah, yeah, I bet. <laughs> So has your relationship with the guys recovered? <laughs> They've forgiven you. I didn't. You know, I, I heard that I'd um, ruffled some feathers. Right. Okay. Uh, but I don't know specifically with who, uh, with whom, and hopefully, you know, some of what I said there undid that. You know, but I don't know specifically. <laughs> okay. There were no direct conversations. But. No. No. Well, that's good. That's good. So, so you corrected course, um, with, with that. Mm-hmm. And that, that's all, that's all fine. But I think it, it is, um, I guess it's the risk when you write something particularly open and, and candid that, you know, and you're representing like an, an, an entire team. Mm-hmm. You have to be, you have, you have to sort of almost have ears and eyes everywhere, don't you? Yeah. And you know what? Cause I don't manage people anymore. I haven't for years. I'm very much an individual contributor and, so as we've grown, I've had no leadership training. You know, a lot of the other guys in the company, uh, the, the, the senior leadership team and the founder are going through all this stuff. So, you know, the whole concept of what what you say and how someone else interprets it being very different things, <laughs> I, I, I can get that part of it wrong. I, I can, you know, sometimes I send too many late night emails that can be misinterpreted yeah they're always a bad idea aren't they why do we do that why yeah. do we do that so so after this um this whole experience where do you think content marketing f- fails um, and where do you think it can still excel uh, it really is about resetting your expectations i think well you also have to where, where it does fail is that you especially with blog content you put it out there if you do it based on the idea of creating something uh just because you think it's needed that's great, but it probably has a four-day shelf life, right. maybe five or something. If it's not something people are actively searching for, you could be completely wasting your time because then it does vanish. If you are answering questions, you can have that constant organic traffic, and you need that. Otherwise, your content marketing is not optimized, and it's not having the impact that it could have. Now, I don't believe in doing that, the, the only doing trying to find things that people are searching for. You have to be a leader in producing new things that no one's thought of before. Yeah. Right? You can't succeed without doing that as well. You have, you have to mix it up uh, you know, uh, appropriately and understand that they have these different roles. And also, for my next talk that I'm going to be giving this year, it's, it's related to some of this. Um, I'm, I'm kind of saying that content marketing is a bit broken because we're, and this is especially true for us because we're Canadian, which means we're really apologetic, <laughs> <laughs> uh, which means that our content marketing has historically been entirely in education first rather than and, and like 
never really talking about the product, just talking about solving some people's problems, which is, which is the right mindset to have. But we have to change it a bit. We have to find, you know, we have to think about ourselves and a business a little bit more and find creative and interesting ways to bring our product into our content. And that's what I really enjoyed about that month. But I learned how to do some of that. You know, I put a lot of interactive demos of our products built right into the posts. And one of the things I really tried to do was bring the product in a, in a respectful and useful manner into the content. So if I'm talking about a concept, I would then have an interactive demo. Like if I'm talking about certain triggering or targeting for a sticky bar or a pop-up or something, I would create that environment, let someone click to get it or something or go to a certain page or refresh, whatever, so they could see the experience and go, oh, that's what you're talking about. Um, and, and trying to, one, kind of how a lot of this began, actually, I forgot about this, was the idea of productizing our technology. So we have three pieces of technology, really. It's one fundamental, but like we have landing pages, we have pop-ups, we have sticky bars. That's the tech. But there's a lot more you can do to productize that for uh, you know different use cases. So let's say for a sticky bar, there's the EU cookie law and the GDPR coming up. You need to present this information. That's just a sticky bar, but that use case is a product in itself. Uh, so I try to get as many of those ideas as possible so people could, people could make that connection to not just thinking, oh, it's just that. It's like, it's not just that. It can be this and it can be that. And trying to explain these different use cases so people think differently about what it is. And I came up with some really interesting ones. There was one, uh, it was an e-commerce idea for called Maybe Later, which the idea is like when you come to an e-commerce website, it's really common that they'll throw a pop-up in your face with a discount or a special offer, which is great. There's value there, but I've not even had a chance to look around yet. So I don't want to do something about that yet. And I don't want to dismiss it because I, I want to remember. So the idea here was that when you, there would be three options instead of yes and no, it would be yes, no, and maybe later, which is, so if you click maybe later, it would drop a cookie to say that you are interested, but stay right. out of my way. And then with that cookie, We'd use, I'd have a sticky bar as well at the bottom. So when they go to the next page or anywhere else on the site, that would appear with cookie targeting to then represent that offer in a subtle manner to just let you know that it's there when you need it. Right? So there's different interaction models that can really help people increase engagement and provide more respectful experiences for people. So that's kind of where I'm trying to take the content, like to make it more interactive and showcase things in ways that are genuine, legitimately helpful for people. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're onto something with that really, because actually it is very frustrating when you get those pop-ups literally within like 15 seconds of landing on a site, mm -hmm. offering you a discount. You get, you like, well, I don't know. Let me get out of my way and let me look at the products and maybe I will. But then what happens, of course, is you, you, you click no and then it goes away. And now I'm not going to buy because I could have had a discount and now I can't find out <laughs> to get back to it. So actually it's, it's yeah. doing the opposite of what the marketers have intended. But, you know, guys, if any of you are listening and your site does that, please review. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's interesting because I often say technology is not the problem. We are. It's the marketer that's the problem. <laughs> they the are. Is just, marketers just... are the problem, definitely. <laughs> yeah, I agree. It's, it's just an interaction device. It's just you're on the web and this is a different way stuff in your browser can operate. And that's actually one of the things we learned. Initially, when we launched the new products, we had uh, we, we were gonna have a suite of new tools, and we had an umbrella term called convertibles. 
because uh, they're all about getting more conversions. But when we launched it, we only had one product inside it, which is pop-ups. And we called pop-ups overlays because we were trying to put, draw this line. You can see where this is going. Draw this line in the sand. And whenever I, I nice. talked about it, if I was talking about a bad experience, I would call it a pop-up. If I was talking about a good one, I would call it an overlay. Yeah. I wanted to try and change the, the narrative on this to a more respectful <laughs> behavioral model. But it just confused everyone. Also, you shouldn't have an umbrella term for one thing underneath yeah. it. Even with two, it didn't make any sense. Yeah. So now we got rid of convertibles and we're calling a pop-up a pop-up because it was so hard to communicate. That's one of the, the, adopt, the aware, adoption things we messed up initially. Were there any key pieces of content that you published that really did shine? Yeah. It, well, a couple of things. What, one, especially the last one. I mean, that one blew up. It really it resonated with so many people. But I, I think one of the parts of the experiment. This last one was the, is content marketing a waste of time article? Is that right? Exactly. Yeah. 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 And all the, the data and lessons learned from that. Mm. And it, you know, actually, there were some, some People internally that were like, this is too transparent. We can't give away all these secrets. <laughs> like, eh, this, this is how we are. It's who we are. And honestly, it's always been our ammo to try and help marketers do a better job. I'm not going to stop that now. Um, and people have been copying us for years. That's not going to stop. So like, have at it. We'll just get better and better. Because of that, it's healthy to have competition to be a little bit scared because it pushes you. Interesting things was... Hey, I learned that a lot of people really don't care about your calls to action when reading content like that. So the interaction with them was quite low. But the most interesting thing was, and it's it's an assumption, easy assumption to make, but it was nice to confirm it that when I wrote a post about sticky bars, the three uh, CTAs, the sticky bar one got the most attention. When I saw pop ups, that got the most attention. So the relevance of the it was good to see that the content did drive engagement with the thing it was talking about. So that was a valuable thing to see, just to confirm, really. Looked at looked at our analytics and figured out some of these pages we have on our website that are really high traffic, that are horrible performers because we do nothing with them. Like, what is a landing page? We've we've had we've been number one on Google for that for since the day we started, but it's a five-year-old, six, seven-year-old piece of content and it's terrible it was like some things i agree with still but some are like oh god that's not what i think anymore <laughs> and it's it's just bad bad content and nothing was happening so i rewrote that and i put in some different calls to action in there because i wanted to explore a who are the people that are coming here you would assume they're going to be beginners because they're asking that question what is a landing page uh, and we had a cta at the bottom of the post but only 30% of people got there. So I'm like, okay, I'm going to move to the top. Okay, 70% see it. Great. But then I changed it to a new idea. Maybe not a new idea, but a new thing I'm going to explore in depth, which I'm calling choose your own adventure. So instead of assuming what people want and giving them one call to action, I'm, I was giving them three based on a question. Like, where are you at in your landing page journey or what are your landing page needs? And the first one was, I'm new. I, want, I need to learn about them, so I push them some, to some of our beginner content. I have a page I don't know how good it is. Push them to our landing page analyzer, which is amazing, and it's free. Uh, and it's, it's an incredible tool. And then It is good. I would second that. I, I've had a little bit of a play with it, and it was really, really insightful. It's so hard to see the flaws in your own baby. <laughs> it's nice to have yeah. someone else tell you totally. where your baby's going wrong. 
and it's very actionable. So I encourage people to check that out. Um, search for Unbound's landing page analyzer. It's like I said, it's free and it will give you so it's a great QA tool before you launch a page, any page you want, website, landing page, whatever it is. Uh, I give you a lot of stuff to fix before you launch. Um, so and then, and then the third one was I need to build a landing page and then I push them through to a live uh, version of our builder. So you can get right in there, no sign up, no credit card, play with it and then you can sign up if you like it. So, and then I analyzed the data to see what people were doing. Overwhelmingly, they clicked the first one because they were beginners. But then we flipped the order to see if there was a bias towards just the first thing. And there was a bit of a bias. It did still get slightly more action than the other two, but the overall number of clicks on the three total went way down. And I think that's because the first was too aggressive for those beginners that they didn't look through the rest of them. So we flipped it back, had the same impact it did the first time. So confirmed that now what I'm going to do in the next project is I'm going to redoing our landing page course piece of big content. And I'm going to try and apply that throughout it so that I can get I'll put up a lot of event tracking so I can see what the behavioral profile is of someone who succeeds, like which navigational options did they choose throughout the content, not just the main nav, which videos did they play, how far through did they get them, and all that kind of stuff so I can build this behavioral profile of who succeeds. And then I can kind of shrink the content to be just based on that to try and make it way more high performance. Fantastic. Well, you got me thinking there. I've never really thought of trying to get an insight of who my you know who the visitors to a particular page are by you know controlling and adjusting what the calls to action are i think that's a really interesting concept i could see that working definitely thanks so much for sharing this insight with us i i highly recommend we're going to in the show notes we'll put a link to to the full article and and direct people um there and and definitely guys if you're looking for a, a solution to improve your you know your your, your landing page um, results so definitely check out on bounce they've they've been going for a long time and they've got some fabulous tools if we if we want to find out more about unbounce the work you guys do uh where do we go who should we talk to unbounce.com is the obvious thing from a you know website perspective but i'm very active on twitter i'm very responsive so if you want to have a chat with me ollie gardner on twitter uh, you can also email me if you want totally open ollie oli at unbounce.com uh yeah we um we look forward to to seeing where the whole unbounce universe goes and uh the future products that you're uh, quite clearly working on now but uh thanks so much for your time ollie my pleasure thanks for having me on again Thanks very much for listening to the Digital Marketing Podcast. If you want to continue your learning in digital marketing, get over to targetinternet.com and sign up for the free trial of our digital marketing e-learning platform. There's over 140 bite-sized courses for you to try and lots of other learning resources as well. So get on there and sign up for the free trial.